Hello, Blueprint family and guests. My name is Shobaraka, and once again, I am here to talk ministry where life exists with two wonderful gentlemen. One is Josh Wassenaar. He is the director of Salt Company, and Justin Brew, who is the associate director of Salt Company. Salt Company is the college ministry here at Blueprint Church, and their mission is to entrust the gospel to the next generation of college students here in Atlanta. They are doing a wonderful job, and we're going to learn more about them and their mission. So let's go ahead and have this conversation. So we're here with Josh and we're here with Justin. First question, why college students? Oh man, this is literally a question. By the way, this is Josh speaking. Um, <laughs> this is a question that I could talk about for way too long. So yeah, you got you got three minutes. I got three minutes. <laughs> oh man. Um, college students are super high capacity, mm. super undervalued. And desperately need Jesus. It's like this, like mixture of like super high potential and super low investment that's been given into the college campuses, mm -hmm. in particular in Atlanta. I yeah. feel like that's true, um, it, because the cultural like norms in the city is like, man, it, it's about being fast paced. It's about mattering. It's about having something to achieve, something to produce. And college students um, will produce something once they're done in college. But right now, they aren't of much value. Mm. And especially to the church, they're not—they're not, they're not going to get money to the church. Right. They're—they're they're not going to be able to like. I don't know. Like, like their my ministry is not about to pay for itself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. okay, when you're doing ministry with college students, it it demands sacrifice on the behalf of the church. But why college students? Because what they cannot give monetarily, they will give with their lives. That that's good. That's good. I like that. I have a follow up question for that later and a later question, but I, yeah. I like the way we started. Justin, how about you? Why college students? Yeah. Some of it probably ties back to my personal story. Uh -huh. I I came to faith my senior year in college and then went to college and I wouldn't say that was the first time that I was discipled, but there was just so much formation that took place in my life. It's like I learned how to study the Bible, I learned how to share my faith. Um yeah, I mean, some of those, and then had space to actually practice those things and fail and grow, and was like, oh, man. Like, and then I started to see, like, some of my, my teammates and friends, like, really start to wrestle with the truth of the Bible. Some of them start coming to faith, and I was like, there's just a lot of joy to be had here. There's a lot of people who are asking a whole lot of questions, who are trying to figure out what life is about, who's trying to figure out what they're passionate about. Yeah. And God has a lot to say about those things. Yeah. And I saw God use that when I was in school. And he's continued to do that in the last four years that I've been uh, been doing college ministry. And so I think for me, one, it's, it's a mix of personal story, but also just seeing how formative college students are, you know, in their 18 to 24, depending on where you're at yeah, <laughs> in your yeah, college yeah. experience, like just trying to figure out what's life about, who am I, what's my role to play in this world, and uh, the scriptures have a lot to offer. I came to faith as a college student. Uh, to your point, like the formation was paramount for me uh, not only did I feel like I became a better student but I became a better human being and just all of the formation that was given to me shot me on a on a on a, on a world for success however I know that the college space is a prime mission field and so I want you I'm gonna ask two two questions together it's a prime mission field but there's also oftentimes an unrealistic ex a realistic expectation of college students to to give up their life in order to do vocational Christian you know 
work, I guess you can say. So how are you guys preparing for people, how preparing these college students for life outside, not only just the college institution, the educational institution, but also like the church institution. So why is it a prime mission field? And then how are you preparing them for to be excellent in the marketplace, I guess you can say, or wherever their, their life leads them? Yeah, no, uh, that's a great question. Um, so the the first one, just to mm-hmm. refresh, it, the, your first question is like, why is it a prime mission? Yeah. Field? I think some of the things we've said are part of that, yeah. but I, I want to mm-hmm. tap in on, you guys said like it's a formational time. Mm-hmm. It's not just like randomly a formational time. Right. Like there's two things that I think are probably stand above the rest. It's that like psychologically, the two most fundamental like formational six months of your life are the first six months after you're born. Mm and the first six months after you leave your house where your parents are over you. You're forming the second most amount of connections, rewiring your brain, your worldview, everything mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. that chunk of time. And that's like fall semester, freshman year. Yeah. Like they're learning everything new again. They're, they're forming their most core identity in that moment. And paired with this is they're teachable. Mm-hmm. They are paying literally hundreds of thousands of dollars a year <laughs> to be, or over the course of these four years, to be told what to think about the world. Right. And if we let places that are far from God who don't care about Jesus be the only ones who inform those moments, of course they're going to be formed away from the image of Christ. Amen. So this is the prime mission field. Yeah. It, like, it only happens once in a person's life. It is the most fundamental time. And like they're sitting in a position where they're just asking to be taught the truth. Yeah. We have to teach them about Jesus. Yeah. Um, and then your, your second question, how do we like prepare them for life outside of, you know, this weird college bubble. Um, Man, that is, I think it's paired with, like, one of the dangers, you know, like, sometimes college ministry can be just that, like, a great four-year experience. And then people leave college, and then they, like, like, where's my place in the world? Where's my next ministry that's catered directly towards me? Um, And it's just, like, not there, Mm -hmm, (laughs) you know, mm -hmm. because the church as a body isn't really about compartmentalizing every four-year section of your life and finding out exactly where you fit in. It's just not that clear. And it's actually beautiful that it's not. So what we try to do or what we're trying to do is to draw people into the life of the multi-generational church so that they learn the rhythms now. Yeah. And they don't have to be crazy, out-of-this-world rhythms, but we want them to know, like, the normal practices of faithfulness. Yeah. Um, And so, like, one really tangible thing that we want to do next semester is like invite members of Blueprint Church that are in the marketplace as excellent businessmen and businesswomen, as doctors, as lawyers, whatever it is, and to offer some mentorship mm-hmm. to students who are training to become businessmen and businesswomen and doctors and lawyers in whatever field they might seek to go. Because while they do get great education in how to do those things, they don't know morally what it looks like to walk through yeah. an ambiguous space mm-hmm. and to, to image Christ well in those places, but there are faithful members of Blueprint who have. So that's like one thing. It's like, man, let's get them connected with people who like figured out the transition themselves and maybe they stumbled, maybe they succeeded, but yeah. like, tie those knots deeper and like give them like, just small moments to ask wisdom-based questions. Um, Excellent. Do you have anything to add to that? Not, not much. I might have a statement. I, I think I've actually you totally disagree. You said I disagree with that. <laughs> no, I, I don't disagree. <laughs> I very much agree. I, I think uh, a small bit in addition. I would actually say I've seen relationships in the church, particularly with people who aren't vocational ministers, 
provide opportunities for people to get actually who are outside the church who don't give a rip about Jesus to get connected to the local church and to relationships within the local church because of their occupations. Mm-hmm. It's like you meet somebody who wants to be a businessman or an accountant. It's like, hey, I, I know a guy in my city group who works for Coca-Cola and does like all of their things. What if he sat down and helped you, you with your accounting class? You're like, oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, like, right, right, right. Or me, like, hey, I studied journalism in college. I don't do it now, but I have some people who do these things or I have some skills that I have. Why don't you come and hang with me and my wife and like we'll go do some, some shooting together mm-hmm. and then we can... Um, you know, I'll teach you some skills about how to stand in front of a camera and talk and these kinds of things, right? right? right. And, um, you know, I'm not the best at it, but I think I do an okay job. And, and that's been a great thing. And so people get to come in our lives and various other people's lives just simply because of relationships within the church. Um, Excellent. Yeah. So you, Salt Company, established in Iowa, that's where you just came from. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into Salt Company, how you, you know, the fascination, if you will, with or the indelible impact that college ministry had on your life and, is, and you as well, Justin? Oh, yeah. Well, I, uh, I grew up in Minneapolis area, in the, one of the suburbs, and had some friends that went to Iowa State previous, like before me, and they're like, you got to go to Salt Company, you got to go to Cornerstone Church, like it's a great spot. And so going into college, I kind of like had heard about it, and I was like, okay, I'll try it out. And before I had even like looked up and like figured out like where I was going to go or who, like what it meant to be a part of Salt Company, it was like the first weekend of class or uh, like right before class and everyone's out at parties getting hammered and me and my roommates just stayed back at the dorms and were playing cards in the basement Mm -hmm. and the only other people that were there was this group of students that were just like messing around having a blast playing a game they invited us to join them and at first i thought they were drunk but then i was like oh i don't think they are (laughs) so so that's a big win i thought i was just playing this pool game with a bunch of drunk dudes but no they're they're just having a good time. And then they invited me to, like, told me about Salt Company. I was like, yeah, I've heard of that, yeah. And, like, hey, you want to come along? And it was literally, like, the first people I met in my dorm. There's a thin line between being drunk and being in the spirit. Correct. Just a very Amen. thin line. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> this, this, this confusion sounds kind of similar to <laughs> Exactly, exactly. It's other Christians in their Exactly, exactly. Anyways, it was like, I just got invited to be friends with somebody. Mm-hmm. And then I went with them to college ministry. I went with them on Sunday morning church and I got in their small group. And the, the biggest transformational thing for me was dudes were like confessing sin and repenting in confidence with each other. Mm. And I was like, that's crazy yeah. because I had grown up in the church and I had been following Jesus for a long time. And the rhythms of my life were not confession and repentance. They were like, protect, pretend that didn't happen. Dis- yeah. like, don't disclose that because that shows weakness, you know? And all of a sudden, I'm seeing men who I want to become like model repentance and grow in holiness. And I was like, wow, I, I want that. And so it changed me. And it's marked my life because I just saw somebody who was just like a year along further than me care for me yeah. and model repentance. Amen. And so I, I want college students in Atlanta to experience that. Amen. Yeah. My story is very different. <clears throat> you, were the, you were the drunk guy. No, I was not. <laughs> I was not the drunk guy. I was around a lot of drunk people. Um, okay. I won't talk about who those people were, but I was around a lot of drunk people. Um, I pull up on campus. I'm not even, I haven't been a Christian maybe, not even a year yet. And I'm like eager to be on campus, share my faith. And I pull up to the dorm and there's just this dude standing outside. His name is Tony. And he's very weird. He's just kind of standing there and he like, 
kind of very creepily comes out of my car. He's like, hey, can I help you move? I was like, yeah, sure. And so he like takes my stuff upstairs. And then for some reason, this uh, over the next few weeks, this dude just kept like popping up in my room. <laughs> Tony, if you're listening, we're really sorry. Man. Like, <laughs> into, into the worms. And, um, you know, I think he was good friends with the with the director of, the, uh, of our dorm and stuff like that. But he just kept coming to my room. And we ended up having a conversation about Christian hip-hop one day. And it was great, and I like. Although he kept coming around, like I was kind of hoping that he would come around yeah, because yeah, yeah, I yeah. wanted to keep talking about Lecrae because nobody else was talking. about <laughs> He's like, I got somebody to talk about Lecrae. Like, oh, Another artist, you know. We had, we connected over Social Club, like it was really wild. And uh, long story short, this, you know, he asked me, he's like, "Hey man, like you want to study the Bible?" I was like, "Yeah." So we sat down, and read some passage, and I was like, "Dude, this guy, like, he loves Jesus. He loves Christian hip hop music. He loves the Word of God." And um, next thing I knew, I was like invited into. Uh, discipleship group of the ministry called Campus Outreach. This sounds really romantic right now. If if if, if Tony was like Antoinette, <laughs> I'd be like, I I hope that this ends in marriage. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it, did, but, it did. He was. Uh, long story short, Tony Tony was discipling me for four years. He was yeah. the best man at my wedding. Oh, excellent. Um, so it does end in marriage. Good stuff. It does end in marriage. Yes. <laughs> and uh, long story short, um, I didn't know what I was in for, but I was gonna be led by a really crazy dude who loved the word of God, who loved sharing the gospel with people and found a lot of joy in that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to be around people who find joy in sharing the gospel and growing in holiness and submission to the word of God. Yeah. And I got to do that alongside him and a group of other guys who lived on my hall for, for four years. Uh, and it was really sweet. And I saw it transform my life and I saw it transform other people's lives around me. And so I wanted to, to keep it going and God provided a space for that to happen in the context of local church. There's a longer story behind that, but uh, I look back at my college experience and I think if there's one thing that I'm like, ah, oh, man, I wish I would have got sooner would be uh, why the local church is necessary mm. in the life of a college student in particular. Um, I didn't get it till like my last semester. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that was part of the reason why I ended up coming here it was just, I got it, and I just began to pray, and then God provided some opportunities through some people that I didn't hear blueprint for me to come and, and do an internship, and, you know, here I am, so. So you yeah. spoke about you discovering the need for the local church. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, I find, like, that is probably the greatest deficit in college ministries is that you, you, you can rally a bunch of high-capacity people around a similar age and create this utopia of fellowship and friendship and fun um, but oftentimes it creates, I'll say this, what I think to be an unrealistic view of the church. Um, and there's always high turnover, of course, right? Depending on you, if you're a campus minister in there and then you get new students. So <clears throat> that's one of the things that I've found disconcerting about some the way that some college ministries structure themselves. What are some of the concerns and, and dangers that you guys have found? Not only maybe in college ministries in general but some of the things that you guys have had to like work through adopt i mean adapt change pivot etc hmm. let me actually how is for those people who don't know you can start with this how is what is the structure of salt company and its connection to the local church yeah so um structure of salt company is we meet we have like a weekly gathering where all the college students come. We meet in Blueprint Church mm-hmm. um, on Thursday nights. And mm-hmm. so we sing worship songs, hear a sermon from the Bible, and just have time for students to kind of like hang out and get to know each other. And then separate from that, we also have small groups that meet weekly 
uh, on campus for Georgia Tech, Georgia State students, and then also one on Emory. Um, and the idea is people need community in their context and where they're at. And the, the life and the heartbeat of Blueprint specifically is like, man, we want to do ministry where life exists. And so we want to be indigenous disciple makers. To be an indigenous disciple maker as a college student is to be uniquely about your own campus, mm-hmm. which is, it, it's kind of different from like the the general ethos of Blueprint in some ways. Because mm-hmm. It's like, man, we want to be this place of like neighborhood and all that and like uh, about like your neighborhood. Well, their neighborhood is only a bunch of people that is exactly their age and demographic. Right, it's right. like, <laughs> that's so weird. Mm-hmm. And so built into it, there is an inherent like, danger what if that's their vision of the church forever Mm -hmm. you know it's like it's only people my age and i'm in a place that's catered towards me we don't want that for them that's why we're like man if you want to be a connection group leader if you want to be a leader in this ministry you're a part of this church blueprint and you come on sundays and you are a member here and and you like are stewarded and cared for by the elders and the leadership here i mean functionally we want to figure out more ways to tie in the local church and the college ministry. And so in the same way, like I mentioned it earlier, we want marketplace professionals to just spend a little bit of time with some college students who want to go into their area of expertise. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. man, that's just one more tie. The The more that we can aim towards being multi-generational in our relationships now as college students, mm-hmm. it, it'll help them flourish when all of a sudden they're surrounded by guys who are 20 years older and 10 years younger. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, this is where I belong. Yeah. You know, that, that's just like one thing. No, no, that's that's good. Any other? I have, if not, I got. So you mentioned early that um, this is another concern that uh, I think you can address. You mentioned earlier that college students are high capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're high capacity because they are tunnel vision towards a degree, <laughs> obviously. Um, there's two parts to this question. One, how do you keep from abusing their time you know what Mm -hmm. i'm saying like they are going into debt to become exceptional in this particular area Mm -hmm. of life and oftentimes how do you struggle with the balance of making them great at what they came they've come to do while at the same time asking of their time to do missions to do these things um yeah and then I'll, i'll save the second part of the question for I don't yeah. want to throw too much on you. No, that, that's a great question. Yeah. Um, or is, or, or do you just I, answer the time? It's just like, it just, you know, because this is the priority of life. Part, yeah. part of part of college is learning your limitations. Yeah. Like 100% every person who goes to college is going to like get real close to burnout or burnout. Yeah. And I don't want to like induce burnout. Yeah. I want to help them figure out what it looks like to embrace their limitations and to thrive in the midst of it. If If a college student thinks, you know what? this four-year period of my life is about becoming excellent so that I can be great at some job and then I'll give my life to Christ? Mm-hmm. Incorrect. Yeah. Like They will never yeah. sacrifice their time if they haven't built the habits of it now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I want to ask a lot of them mm-hmm. because I want the bar to be actually raised for people outside of college too. Like, like man, you have there's a ton of time and effort. And, and now it looks different because you might have kids and you have a wife and you're doing things. And like, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah my energy is pointed in more directions than it was when I was just me in college. Yeah. Um, but it isn't like, I don't think it's, 
wrong to say like, man, I want to ask a lot, but also like help them temper and make great decisions right. and not burn out and be faithful. So how do you do that practically? Because for instance, um, what came to college, came to know the Lord there, had all the time in the world for Jesus. Yeah. Then you begin to chase the American dream, keep up with Joneses. And in a lot of ways, individuals, I heard a man say that, um, busyness is the is one of the greatest disqualifier of ministry mm. because pe it's not that people are out here having sex i mean some people are having sex out of wedlock and all this other stuff but mm. oftentimes it's the busyness of life is the busyness is you know how so how do you get folks to manage that time mm. before they get into yeah. the the marketplace so where it's like constantly consistently all they are doing is burning both the yeah. candle at both ends. Like, so practically, what are some things that you may help me as a student? I'm like, yeah, Josh, yeah. I can't today. You help me. <laughs> what would you tell me? I'm like, I got 18, uh, all this, these yeah. tests. I got this chemistry. I got this. And then I got this party I want to go to. Yeah, no, I, that's a great question. I, I mean, really practically, we, like with our student leaders, mm -hmm. we had a leadership meeting this semester that's where great. we sat down and we talked about what it looks like for God to redeem work and mm -hmm. what it looks like for God to redeem rest. And we just helped him like schedule a week. Gotcha. It's like it was so so tangible. Like yes. like I was never given help on like, hey, here's how you schedule your life, Josh. Yeah. And so I just freaking ran a thousand miles an hour <laughs> right. until I died. Yeah. And then yeah. I was like, what happened? Why do I feel so empty inside? Why am I like not yeah. feeling Christ right now? Yeah. It's like, oh, because I haven't sat in the quiet with Christ for a month. Amen. Why did that happen? Because I was a foolish college student and yeah. I was running super hard. Now that doesn't happen only in college. Right. That, that's Absolutely. like the nature of Atlanta. Yeah. The city of busyness and making a name for yourself. Yeah. You know, so th that's the culture that's inculcated everywhere here. Yeah. And we just want to like come alongside students oftentimes in like one-on-one -on -one context. But like, I mean, we literally gave a training on what it looks like to schedule life well. And I, I would say if you're going to do one thing, schedule a regular Sabbath mm -hmm. and don't work and do things that make you love Jesus more on that day exclusively. And develop a healthy rhythm of sitting in silence in the presence of a holy God. Mm. Do that daily. And like the 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 rest, I mean, it's not going to fall into place perfectly. You're, you're going to screw up. You're going to work too hard or not enough. And that's okay. Yeah. You, you know, there's grace. Mm -hmm. But man, learn to be in the presence of God. You talked about Atlanta. That's first of all. Let me say that was excellent. That was answer was excellent. You talked about Atlanta. You're from Iowa. Um, you're from Atlanta, so you yeah. kind of understand the culture. Gwinnett. <laughs> Close Gwinnett. enough. <laughs> you understand the culture, but you did go to school outside of Georgia. Correct. Right, right. All right. Um, speak to the differences of oh. you having. Dude, <laughs> don't sound so disgusted. Would you? <laughs> I, I, I have a hobby horse on this. Okay. And, all right. I, I, I've been listening to a little bit of John Mark Comer. I've been listening to some Bible project guys and like they're both in yeah, Portland, Portland yeah. and then, um, you know, all over the place in pretty like big liberal mm -hmm. cities. Mm -hmm. And Atlanta is that. Yeah. And I think the biggest change from Ames to Atlanta is the level of busyness that people have. So it's like on the same theme. Mm -hmm. Um, but do you guys know the first place in the Bible where a city is mentioned? Like the first thing that's described as a city. Um, the Babel? I don't know. Yeah, that's okay. right. It is. Yeah. It's the Tower of Babel. Right, yeah. okay. And basically, 
humanity at this point has been commanded, go multiply, mm -hmm. fill out the earth, mm -hmm. and like image God in all creation. Yeah. Now, at some point, that means cities will happen, and that's really, really good. Mm. Um, so cities, I think, like Atlanta, are actually for the sake of God's glory. Yeah. And so I, I love the city. I'm about Atlanta. It's so fun. But Babel failed because the people gathered together and said, we're going to build a huge tower mm -hmm. and what? Make a name for ourselves. Yeah. So God comes down, confuses their language, and divides them by their linguistics. Mm -hmm. Atlanta is a city about making a name for yourself. Mm -hmm. I talk to students so much, and they're mm -hmm. like, man, I cannot wait for people to hear my thoughts, my music, my excellence, my, my whatever it is, my creation. It's like, man, people are about like making sure that they make it. Yeah. And it's like, what are they going to produce? What are they going to do? How can they make a name for themselves in the city where people have a name? Yeah. And it matters. And so God, I think, hasn't confused the people like along linguistic lines. It's more on cultural ones and racial ones and you know economic, yeah. socioeconomic class ones. It's like so much division and so much hurt and a lot of turnover in the city. Like people leave. Yeah. They come and then they leave. But do you not find like that's the, the nature of the college campus? So college campuses are totally that way, mm -hmm. right? Like it's it's like worked into it. It's like right. you're going to come, you're going to leave. It's transient. That's cool. But I mean, the making your name for yourself and well. making your name yeah. for yourself. It's totally. And that's mm -hmm. the thing. I think the college campus in Atlanta have slammed together in a way. It's like they're like pumping each other up in the same vision. I want to make a name for myself. Mm -hmm. And I just want people to slow down and see, like, that's not a big enough vision for what the city of Atlanta can be. Mm -hmm. This used to be a city where it was like the pastors had powerful things to say mm -hmm. in a way that changed culture, not just in Atlanta, but in the U.S. Mm -hmm. You know, like when I think of if there was going to be a letter written to Atlanta, it's like in, in Revelation chapter three, where it says, and you've lost your first love. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, that's the thing. It's like Martin Luther King Jr. came from this place and there were pastors that were powerful and prophetic and that word has been lost. Mm. Not entirely, but like, man, the city is not about Jesus. It's not the same way it once was. And there's a way that like we can redeem this city. And it, I think it starts in a college campus. That's why I'm so pumped about it. Because when students, one other big difference between Ames and Atlanta, when students graduate in Ames, they cannot wait to get away. There's nothing happening in Ames. Right, 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 right. Ames is cool. I love it, and I actually like feel like so much home vibes from mm -hmm. Ames. When students graduate from Georgia Tech and Georgia State and all the other campuses in and around Atlanta, people are like, I cannot wait to get a job at Microsoft or Coca-Cola or right. one of the mm -hmm. big name, mm -hmm. you know, five Fortune 500 companies in right. the city. Mm -hmm. So if we want to change the city, we change the campus. And if you're talking about reaching the campus, you're talking about MLKs, you're talking about the John Lewis's, right. you're talking about we the have student to. leadership movements that started on college campuses a lot of times. So, so, uh, you guys are high, you have a, you talk about high capacity when it comes to missions, when it comes to evangelism. I remember when I was in college, I used to lead every Saturday, our campus ministry, I had to lead like outreach programs, ideas, or whatever, whatever. And I used to get furiated when I didn't, when people didn't match my passion when it came to <laughs> like going out and sharing the faith, just walking up to people. Do you find yourselves um, being, do you find yourself struggling in environments where people don't share your passion for evangelism? And how do you, one, both center yourself, but also create the passion in other people? So deal with the tension sure. of not, Make it at the hobby horse. Like this is the greatest aspect of 
but then also, hey guys, this is this is a, this is spiritual discipline. This is uh, this is not a suggestion. We are to go out and make disciples of the nation. Yeah, the the, the simple answer for me is yes. <laughs> I I constantly have to remind myself that oh, evangelism isn't all there is in the Christian life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I think some of it, and we've had a lot of conversations about this around Blueprint staff culture, particularly Monday mornings, but I think that we have to be clear about defining like what mission is, because if we just define mission as like, here is the three circles presentation, then like, like it's, it's like a, you got a silver bullet, I'm going to shoot, or I have one bullet, I shoot it, if it doesn't miss, then I keep it moving. Um, and for me, I think I have to come back to the table and be like, ah, like, um, mission takes time. Mission is an investment in people's lives. I think I have to look at like what discipleship actually is. It's like, uh, I'm, I, discipleship takes place along the whole spectrum of somebody's life before they become a Christian and after. And in every season of life, I'm calling them to be in one way or another, to be conformed to the image of Christ. Um, and that doesn't always come through me primarily like talking about the life death and resurrection specifically of jesus christ Mm -hmm. um it comes to me saying look at the the way that jesus lived look at the kingdom that jesus is bringing um here is how these things come to bear and here's how we receive these things through repentance and faith yes but there are there are ethical matters at play that come through the kingdom of god and the way that jesus lived his life that can radically change your life and your culture, and there's and we can bring those things to people, and those things can be effective to getting them to understand. Uh, yes, I need I need an uh, atoning sacrifice in my life, um, and so for me, I think I spend a lot of time trying to suppress this idea. Like I have to just get this message of atonement before people. Like no, there's some other inroads that can get me to that message, and a lot of times that's what people need to hear. Um, prime example I think and this isn't on the college campus but like one of the most rich conversations I've recently had with someone was with my neighbor and we were just talking about like father wounds in our life and I got an opportunity to talk about like God as father and the way that my understanding of that relationship has brought redemption with my own father and then mm-hmm. offer you know a challenge and perspective to him and he was like oh man like yeah it really blew his mind mm-hmm. and so I'm trying to help students do the same thing um, week in and week out and, and be okay with it. So I don't I don't know if that fully gets into the tension, but that's... No, that's good. For me, that's awesome. That's great. All right, so last and most important, um, at what point do you age out of college ministry as a as a director? And <laughs> and you just don't become the creepy guy who's... A lot of it depends on if you have a baby face or not. I'm not joking. If you that's look true. like you're 45 and balding, you're out. If, if you if you look if you look too old, you're done. Uh, I think there's like a sweet spot, like yeah. when you have relatability and a little bit of season and wisdom, and that's probably between like 25 to 30. And mm. then once you get much older than 30, you, you better be like really you have to be super high capacity yeah. and like just like understand the world of college students yeah because so, at that uh, point you're bringing your cat your child on campus with you and that's right, right. weird i feel yeah. that already <laughs> I, I found myself talking to students about my child and they're just looking at me like i don't care and i'm like oh i think i'm phasing out oh man that is interesting. any last words if you could uh pitch to the members or to anyone who's listening 
that are not college students are not in that sweet spot of 25 to 30, but they're like, man, I, I want to help or serve in some sort of way. What would you, what would you guys say to those individuals? You don't have to be in the sweet spot to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, as much as like there is a sweet spot for like doing it as a vocation, the work of the spirit like happens through people of all ages and all generations. And that's like part of the beauty of the church. So if this has been like, man, I, I do want to like care for the students at Georgia Tech or Georgia State or Emory or anywhere else. And you feel the type of spirit, it's like, okay, please, <laughs> we would love it if you would sit down with our students. And just like spend time with them because mm-hmm. that changes lives. Amen. That, it changed mine. Going to lunch and dinner with some of the members of the church gives you a well-rounded view of, a, of what it looks like to live the Christian life outside of this college campus. And so for those folks listening, hit them up. How can they reach out to you guys with the email? Yeah, they can reach out to us at josh at blueprintchurch.org. Justin.brew. I'm one of the few on staff that has the few last name. Was there another Justin before you? No. Okay, so you just wanted to be extra. Okay, cool, cool. That's what they gave me. So justin.brew at blueprintchurch.org. And that is it. Thank you for listening. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Joe. Boom.